you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those leaves. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Now, we realize you're going to miss out on some pretty important things by just listening to us. So we want to remind you that there's supportive community and inspiring music and cute kids at children's time. And sometimes there's even cookies after church. Sometimes. Okay, at my church most of the time. Yeah. But we can't give you any of that through a podcast, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. Now, we're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or distracted by the beautiful weather or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep it up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday, and we are currently up to May 6th. Woo-hoo! We are uh, catching up from being away for a couple of months. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, uh, whatever month it is when you're listening to this, we just hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we're serious about the open mind thing. We don't expect that you will agree with everything we say, but we do hope that you will question, disagree, and figure out what you think. But in the midst of all of that, our sincerest hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. Peter took a nap. Peter took a nap? Peter took a nap on the roof of the house he was staying in. Peter took a nap. And while he was napping, he had one of those dreams. Now, do you dream? Yeah, but I usually have dreams I don't remember. I. But uh... I remember like the feeling of. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. I dream very infrequently. And when I dream, it's always nightmares. Mm. Like, I think I've had three non-nightmare dreams in my life. And they're always very deceptive. My dreams are my dreams are tricky. They're tricky. <laughs> I like to get in my head and mess with me. I have a lot of times I have those dreams where you think you've gotten up and gotten ready for work and done all the things, like the unpleasant things, which just means you end up doing them twice because then you wake up and realize it was a dream. dream. Or worse, you wake up and don't realize it was a dream and think that you've done them and then they get really, really far behind. Yes. Yeah, dreams are dreams are not my happy place. Yeah, no, I would not say that my dreams are happy. Like most of the time, my dreams are like anxious making. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've lost something and I can't find it. Something it's, important usually. Peter has a dream that makes him a little anxious. Yeah, he does. So, so in this dream, he's having a little nap, and in this dream, there is a sheet lowered down in front of him, and on the sheet. There's all these kinds of animals, and they're all the kinds of animals that Peter is not supposed to eat, right? He's a good Jew. Uh, he's kosher. He's, he's not going to have any bacon cheeseburgers. But no in the middle of this sheet, it's full of bacon cheeseburgers. Delicious, delicious things. Shrimp cocktail, all the things right? that Peter is not allowed to eat. And Peter hears God tell him in the dream, kill and eat. And Peter says, I'm a good Jew. I would never do that. Right. And the, the sheet gets lowered three times in the midst of this dream. Over and over again, the sheet comes down, full of bacon cheeseburgers. God says, kill and eat. Peter says, mm, I'm a good Jew. I would never do that. And the third time, God says, do not call unclean what I have called clean. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. And immediately there's a knock at the door and Peter wakes up from his, mat, his nap 
and it's practicum time. You see, God has this way of teaching. Right. Where there's like a lesson, and then in the middle of the lesson, you are interrupted to try it out. (laughs) So Cornelius is sending for Peter. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not somebody that Peter knows. And Peter's thinking about this dream about all these bacon cheeseburgers. He knows that Cornelius is not somebody who would shrink away from a shrimp cocktail right. or a bacon cheeseburger, but right. Peter is. So Cornelius com- comes and calls for Peter, and Peter goes. Right. And what Peter finds when he gets to the house that he's going to are people who are not Jewish, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, people who are on fire for God. And he doesn't know what to do with that because the only people he knows who are real people of faith are Jews. Right. And so he walks into this house and it's almost like God is saying, yeah, 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 Peter. I think that you think that you're the one bringing the gospel here. But really, look at what I've already done. Right. right? Like, look, look at what I'm doing. Look, look, I, I already show, I showed up before you. And, also, and I usually show up before you. Yeah. And then, you know, stick around because there's some things that you need to learn here. It's yeah. not just about the water. It's about the relationship. Right. So Peter baptizes the Gentiles and then he hangs out with them and he gets out of his comfort zone to eat the food that they eat and sleep in the places where they sleep and do the things that they do. So God prepares and then teaches and then interrupts with a practicum and sticks around for the results. Yeah. Uh, God works in these very, I don't want to say very specific ways. God works in very specific ways. That's true. And God doesn't always work in the same way. But when God is teaching the disciples a lesson, or even when Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus is teaching a lesson, it almost always happens the same way. Or the way that we've written the stories, it happens the same way. Because I think that's when one of the ways that we internalize the messages and we internalize the lessons is when we sort of have that, here's the story and here's the action. Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Here's the way to make it real in your My third grade teacher was a guy named Mr. Tywater. Mm -hmm. And we all had huge crushes on him because he was from Texas and he played football and he taught us how to play football. He let me play football. He let a girl. He let a girl play football. And boy, did I play football. I imagine you did. Mr. Tywater was great. And he heard when he returned from being away for a day that we had not been kind to a substitute teacher. Let's be clear. This was the most boring substitute teacher in creation Uh who gave us a textbook and told us to turn to a particular page and expected eight-year-olds to learn (laughs) from answering comprehension questions on a chapter in a textbook about, and I remember this very specifically, the tree line. Oh. This is what we were learning about. Mr. Tywater comes back and is displeased with his class. Disappointed. Antsy. She didn't leave us a very good report. Now I don't remember us misbehaving. Right. You didn't do the you didn't do you weren't full on like switching seats and No, we weren't we weren't messing with her. I think she just was upset that we weren't, you know, 19-year-olds instead of 8-year-olds. And so Mr. Tywater comes back and he gives us a very unpleasant lecture about our behavior. And then he helps us to build a giant mountain out of styrofoam mm-hmm. and make trees out of play-doh and clay and toothpicks and then stick the trees on the mountain only going up to a certain height because that was where the tree tree line line was and i remember the lesson right we only remember about 10 percent of what we hear 
We remember about 30% of what we see. We remember about 90% of what we do. Right. So God is a very effective teacher. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think about like experiences like on the flip side of that, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, do as I say, not as I do Mm -hmm. kind of things. And yeah. The hypocrisy of that just ruins it. Just ruins ruins it it for everybody. So, I mean, some some of the question then this week is, what do you think that you know that you've never actually done? Mm. And how might you try that out? Yeah. Uh, what do you think you know that you haven't actually experienced? Uh, one of my first weeks in Reno, I was preaching a sermon about welcoming. Mm-hmm. One of the things the congregation had told me as I was coming in was that they wanted to be a more welcoming church. And one of the things I had been noticing was a lot of language about those homeless people who come into our church. Mm. And so I was like, well, we'll preach. We'll just preach about this. We'll just talk about it. Just open up the conversation. So we're going to preach about welcoming. And I'm sitting in my office and I'm working on my sermon. And (laughs) I get a knock on the door. And the knock is from our custodian, Jim. And Jim says, there's a couple of guys that are, you know, like making a big fuss in the the kitchen. You want me to kick them out? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm coming. Right? And at this point, I'm already shaking my finger at God because I have things to do, you know. Right. And you're, not, you're, you're not in that moment going, God, why are you teaching me this? You're, it's, I don't need it's this right usually, now. You, usually we are going, what the heck? I have other things to do. Yeah, exactly. Like I really need to finish writing my sticky note. And so, uh, so I go into the kitchen and there are these two huge guys. Like they're clearly living on the street. They're a little bit messy. They're a little bit crude. And they are absolutely terrorizing my sweet little old ladies who prepare coffee and goodies for after the eight o'clock worship service. And so I see these two guys and I'm wearing that day my six inch heels, uh, which makes me about six, four. Right. I'm a tall person. And, uh, and I walk in and I see these two guys and I'm on eye level with them. And I said, hello, excuse me. What are you doing in the kitchen? And they were like, well, they won't get us some coffee. And I said, I bet they are getting you some coffee. Did they say they were getting you some coffee? And I said, are you, do you have a license to work in that kitchen? That is a commercial. It's not. That is a commercial kitchen. Do you have a license? Do you have a permit to work in that kitchen? Well, no. Get out of the kitchen. And they <laughs> use my youth director voice. And so they like, they like shuffle out of the kitchen and they're looking a little bit abashed. And I said, sit down. And they sat down at the table and I said, look. These two ladies are the sweetest little ladies in the whole world, and they are getting you coffee. You have not been very kind to them, and you have not been very polite, but they are getting you coffee anyway, so I'd like you to apologize. And they apologized. And I said, thank you very much. Now, my name is Chris, and I'm the pastor here at this church. You're welcome to have coffee. You're welcome to have goodies. You're welcome to come to worship. Worship starts at 8.15. You're welcome to stick around afterwards. There will be more coffee and goodies afterwards. But what you're not welcome to do is treat my people the way you're treating my people. I said, no. They're going to tell me if you create any more ruckus at all. (laughs) And if you create any more ruckus at all, I will be back here and I will plant my boot in your ass myself. (laughs) And they went, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And I said, okay, I'm going to get back to work now. And they said, okay. (laughs) I went back to my office and... Uh, and they did, they did, these two guys came to worship and afterwards they went back and got more coffee and goodies and then they went on their way and we wished them well and said, we'd love to see you again sometime. Great. And, uh, and, but they were just kind of like, Ooh, interesting. Now, um, there had been some kind of like the youth were getting there early to do something. And so between the two worship services, like the youth are hanging out in the fellowship hall and I get another knock on my door. Uh, Pastor Chris, 
there's somebody bothering the youth. And I was like, off I go. Of course. Of course there is. Of course. Off I go. And so I was like checking on the youth or whatever. And this guy comes up behind me while I'm talking to these, we have more homeless folks who come in to like get the food that's going on. Right. Which is fine. These two guys come up behind me and one of them tickles the inside of my foot. Turns out this guy is a foot fetish. Right. Okay. He tickles the inside of my foot and I am so startled and horrified that I turn around and I look at him and I said, excuse me. (laughs) And he was a little abashed. And I said, don't touch me. And then I looked back at these homeless guys and they were like, their jaws were on the ground. They could not believe this guy had done this to the pastor. And I said, am I going to have any more trouble from you guys? And they were like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, not at all. (laughs) I said, okay, okay, hang out, man. You're welcome to hang out, but you're not welcome to treat people badly. And they were like, okay, okay. So they hang out. They came to the 10 o'clock service. I get another knock on my door. Of course. There's a guy who's sleeping in the parlor. Now, the parlor is attached to the sanctuary. It's often where people go to hang out if they need to, like, pace or if there's babies or something. Right. It's the way to come in. If you're in a wheelchair, it's the accessible route to come into the church. And there's a guy sleeping in the parlor. And somebody said, are you going to wake him up? And I said, is he disturbing you? And they said, no. And I said, then I'm going to let him sleep. That's fine with me. And then I, like, I'm getting a little... You're getting a little annoyed here. I'm getting a little annoyed. Not just with... With the active lessons. Yeah, with all the active lessons. A guy had come in and had, like, tried to sweep all of the cookies off the table and into his bag. And somebody said, the homeless people are eating all the cookies. And I said, isn't it good that we have something for them to eat? And they just looked at me like, oh, Uh, okay. So then 10 o'clock service comes around. And there's a guy who stumbles in partway through the service. And he is clearly still drunk from the night before. And he's been living on the street. Mm-hmm. And I am in the middle of my sermon and I'm preaching about hospitality and welcoming the stranger and all the people that you never expect to sit in the pew with you and blah, 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 blah. And the sermon ends and we're moving into the, the offertory time. So we've uh-huh. had the sermon, we've had the prayer, moving into the time of offertory. And if you don't, if you're not paying attention to what's going on, if you're not following along and you just wander in, it looks like nothing's happening. Like right. there's music playing and that's it. Right. And so this guy thinks the service is over. And so he stumbles up onto the stage and he swings his head around. He's looking from side to side. And Kurt Fonkin, one of our parishioners, was the liturgist that day. And he finds Kurt and he looks at Kurt and he says, where's that nice lady? (laughs) And Kurt is stunned. And his eyes dart to me over this guy's shoulders and the guy catches the movement. And so he spins around and he sees me on the other side of the chancel and he starts to kind of stumble towards me. And so I like pop up and like walk to the middle and I'm like, great, we're going to have some modeling. This is not what I want to have happen today. Right. 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 So I walked to like, I didn't want people to think, I want to make it incredibly clear that I did not pay any of these people (laughs) to do this. She's new to town. She doesn't know enough people to do that. I walk to the center of the chancel area and I say, hey, man, what's going on? And he was like, I just wanted to say that the words that you said were so pretty. (laughs) And like, I just feel so welcome here. (laughs) And I can't believe there's a church that will let me come. Mm. And can I give you a hug? And I said, sure. And so I give him a hug. Meanwhile, I can see out of the corners of my eyes, my usher team, and they're standing at the sides of the sanctuary. And they're just like ready to tackle this guy. Like They're like in full like FBI mode. It's really funny. And so I like give this guy a hug. And I said, look, we're still in the middle of service. We've got a little bit more to go. We're going to sing another song. 
And then we're all going to hold hands and sing again at the end. So we're not quite done yet. So if you want to stick around, we'll sit you right here in the front. And my friend Jeff, who's one of the ushers, uh, he's going to come sit with you. And he'll help you get through the rest of the service. Is that okay? And he was like, yeah, that's great. (laughs) And so like he sits down with Jeff. Afterwards, nobody remembered what I said in the sermon. No. Nobody remembered what I said in the sermon. What they remembered was seeing people that they felt uncomfortable around being Mm -hmm. welcomed into the church and not being really as scary as they thought. Right. It helps when you have a 6'4 female pastor who has been a youth director (laughs) and is an 8 on the Enneagram. But they got to see it. And one of the stories that I told them at the time was, you have chosen to stay. You have chosen to be the downtown church. Right. Which means that you also need to be prepared to welcome whoever comes in the doors. Right. Because that's what that means. And I, I think that we think about that and we like the idea of that, but it's very different when it's played out in person. And I told them the story of a Manhattan church. Mm-hmm. And this church in Manhattan had moved um, up to kind of the suburbs of New York at the time, uh, post-World War One, Right. And they had done that because post-World War One, there were a number of African-American folks who had served in the military who were getting their stipend and who were able to afford to live in Manhattan. Right. And so the church moved. And when they were celebrating their 150th anniversary, this is many years ago, they were celebrating their 150th anniversary, they had written this history of the church. And in the history, it said that they were forced to abandon their home Mm. because different people were moving into the neighborhood. And I said, congregation, were they forced to abandon their home or were they terrified of the bacon cheeseburgers? Mm. I said, sometimes the things that we are presented with feel one way, even if we think another. Right. And what we have to do is the work to figure out if our head or our heart needs some adjustment. Right. But you have chosen to stay. Your, your legacy, your history, is that you have chosen to stay downtown. And that means that we actually do need to welcome all of the people who are downtown. So we're going to be working on that. Yeah. And that was, that was the sermon I preached that day. And so when I reminded them of this story, mm-hmm. they all came up to me afterwards and they said, I remember that. Right. They said, I don't remember the stories. <laughs> I don't remember the sermon. <laughs> Right. I remember the guy who walked up on the stage and you gave him a hug and he sat back down again and everything was okay because every person in the church just felt every muscle in their body clench. Right. And I said, yeah, I said, that wasn't scary for me. Right. It felt a little on the nose for me, actually. <laughs> Especially <laughs> given, that day. Given the events of the day, it felt a little on the nose for me. But I'm glad that that's something that you remember and I hope that that has helped you. And they said, Yes. In fact, one of my people sent me a text message this morning that said, I spoke to somebody for the first time Mm. in 12 years of attending the church. I've never spoken to somebody before. I've never initiated a conversation with a new person before. Wow. And I think, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. Oh, yeah. The more you do it, the easier it gets because you realize, oh, here's just another person that loves God that I want to love. Yeah. You know? And it it just gets easier and easier. And so I don't know who your bacon cheeseburgers are. The people that you think are a little uncomfortable for you. And it might even not even be people. Well, it might be people who think a certain way, right? Like it might be ideology that's standing in your way or appearance, like the tattoo thing or... (laughs) Missy Missy is our children and youth director. Missy has a sleeve, full sleeve of tattoos. And they're all really kind of 
adorable. Yeah, there's not a scary tattoo on her sleeve at all. We were taking photos for the church directory a couple of years ago. And the photographer kept cropping out her arm, like kept cropping out the tattoos or asked her to put on a a different shirt or would turn her sleeve away from the camera and was saying, well, your pastor's not gonna want that to be in the picture. And Missy says, my pastor would absolutely want this to be in the picture. Do you want me to call her? And he's, but there was this assumption that church people wouldn't like tattoos. And the answer to that is, I wrote a newsletter article about tattoos. The answer to that is, yeah, we want Missy and Missy has this sleeve of tattoos. And we know that about her and we love that about her. And it's something that we think of when we think of her. And so why wouldn't we put that? Why wouldn't we record who she is in our photo directory? We get to choose who we actually see as us. Right. And who we see as them. And I think the goal, the ultimate goal, is to have no them. Right. To have only us. And not because we've eliminated them, but because we are. <laughs> and not because we've made everybody into the Borg. Right? Yeah, but like because we are them. Because right. we're, we're all just us. Right. And we get caught up in language of them and us and whatever. But It puts us all in a box. Yeah. Yep. So how will you be neighbors to your neighbors? Mm. Do you know your neighbors' names? That was another question I asked. Oh, yeah. Do you know the names of your neighbors next door, next door, and across the way? Do you know them? I do. Yeah, I'm... You're getting I, there. I know mine. Your neighbor next door is worried about your dog. My my neighbor brings my dog cookies. Oh, she's been losing weight. Is she okay? And have you been to the vet? And also, here's some cookies. Because and... I know she'll like some. I know she'll eat these. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I have good neighbors. But I, I bet too. you do, too. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page or find us at uh, sundaymorningsleepin.com, which has our entire archive. The scripture for this podcast today is Acts 10, 44 to 48. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service or podcast. For priests to deliver a blessing. Mm-hmm. I bet every podcast you listen to is priests delivering blessings left, right, and center. You're used to this. <laughs> right. It's it's our tradition to give you a blessing. And my tradition in my church is actually that I don't give blessings. I sort of assume if you found us, you've been looking for us. Because otherwise it's easy enough to pass us over. If you found us, you've been looking for us. And if you've been, you've been looking for us, it's because you've had some positive loving experience. Mm. Of church or of spirituality or of grace or of community. And so I assume that you have already been blessed. Mm -hmm. I assume that no matter what your situation or your circumstances, God has shown up for you in some way. And I am excited about that. So I don't give people blessings because there's nothing I can add to that except be one of the people that you're in community with, which is not a special priest thing to do. So instead I give you homework because I think that there's two sides of blessing. There's receiving blessing and then there's giving blessing. Right. So your homework is to be a blessing, which looks like loving every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it because God thinks they do. There are bacon cheeseburgers all around you and probably you are somebody's bacon cheeseburger too. (laughs) Have some grace for each other. Treat each other well. Keep listening and loving and serving and seeking justice. That's all we can do. But... You know, have a bacon cheeseburger. Amen. Amen. Amen.